And we're jumping right back into this story uh, on Jonah with a sermon titled uh, New Beginnings. And as I, as I wrestled with it a bit, uh, if you remember the first sermon title uh, in this series, who remembers the title of it? The first one. Anybody remember? Do you not remember or are you saying that's the title? That's the title. Yeah, it was Nope. Uh, I almost titled this one, if you, if you look at the book of Jonah, it's four chapters, and they really mirror one another. So chapter one, God brings this call to Jonah's life and asks him to go do something, and then he runs from it, and then he has a, 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 an engagement with the, the, the pagans and repentance in chapter two. Chapter three, God comes back to Jonah again and gives him another request, and Jonah has a second decision to make. I almost titled this morning's sermon, Okay. Because that's what he says the second time. First he said, nope, and went the other direction. This time he says, okay. So let's read this, this passage of scripture, um, and then we'll, we'll dive, in, uh, dive into it. I'm going to start with the last verse of chapter 2 so we can just get this wonderful, vivid image of where Jonah is. I did look for a picture on Google of well vomit. Apparently, that's not that accessible and easy to find because they vomit out in the ocean most of the time, and there's not cameras around, uh, so I couldn't find. But I really wanted you to try to get in your head that this is in this. If you popped into this scene of the movie, Jonah has landed on the beach in a mess <laughs> physically, but spiritually, he's making his way back. And so I want you to see this. So into chapter 2. Of Jonah, verse 10 says, And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. Y'all remember that the fish was the most incredible uh, example of mercy God could have shown Noah. I mean, Jonah, you remember that, right? It was mercy. It was mercy in its greatest capacity, God showing uh, mercy to Jonah. He was in there three days and three nights, just like Jesus uh, in the tomb and resurrection and how this all lined up. And so Jonah is in the well, and he's prayed in chapter 2. He's repented, and God has seen fit to put him back on dry land and give him a second chance. Uh, so we go on to chapter 3 that says, Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim, it, proclaim to it the message I give you. Sounds familiar, right? To chapter 1. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now, Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. It, it, it sounds like Jonah, uh, have you ever just gone through the motions? Like your heart's not really in. Nineveh's going to be overcome. Right, 40 more days, and, Joan, and Nineveh's going to be overcome. Tell your friends. You know, it doesn't seem like a lot of passion there. It doesn't seem like a lot of depth to it. Uh, we can find as we read on through that he had to have a little bit more uh, to his message. But I was going through the motions here. Verse 5 says, The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed, and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth, and sat down in the dust. 
This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By the decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? This is the king of Nineveh speaking. God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. Verse 10 said, When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. It was certain death. Right, remember we went through that where he was seeking down into the pit. He saw darkness. He thought it was all over. Have you ever had that kind of uh, that that uh, you know your life flashed before you eye, your eyes? It was almost all gone type position, and he and then and then he's gone through. He's repented, and God has put him out on the the sand. What what is your response to God in that state of mind at that point? If God says do something, what are you going to say? Have you had that closest when you first got saved, when you were that close to God and you could, you could feel in your spirit what he had saved you from and what he had done? What, what do you say in that moment? Anything. Where do you want me to go? I'll go anywhere. What do you want me to do, God? You just saved me. You just saved me. And, and, and so I can imagine him sitting there on the beach and God coming back to him. And it may not have been right there in that minute. We don't have the details. We don't even know what beach he was on. Uh, some beach somewhere. Um, what? Is that a song? Is that like a country song? Uh, but he was somewhere. And, and he feel, feels God speaking to him. And uh, his response is, okay, I'll go this time. Because he knows what God has just done. He's got this closeness that's important in our relationship. I'm going to take a look at two things this morning, really. Uh, and we're going to circle back and forth between them. Um, a little bit. This is the cycle. This is the cycle of faith in Jesus. And this is what we see in Jonah. First, we've seen his repentance, which we really looked at last week uh, when he was in the well. He turned his life back to God and committed his life to God. And then we find this opportunity he has in chapter 3 of obedience. Repentance is always followed up with obedience. And we're going to find that here with Jonah. What I love about Jonah is, guess what? Things are not perfect from here on out for Jonah. He's still a human being, and he's still struggling. You'll find out next week in chapter 4 what happens. Or if you read your Bible, you can find it before then. But repentance and obedience. Okay, these are the two things that I want us to see. The first one is Jonah chapter 2, verse 10. There's two things in obedience that's important. Um... That I want us to see. There's two things important to understand with repentance. One is in our mind and in all realistic expectations, Jonah should have been disqualified from any further missions, right? In our minds, is Jonah the guy you want to go to and pick to go on a mission? No, he had, he, had, he had really exhibited the greatest example of disobedience you can find from a prophet 
in the Old Testament, I mean, some of them struggled with the message God gave them. None of them said nope and ran the other direction intentionally trying to get away from God. He should have by all intensive purposes been disqualified to do a work for God. We also find that he was dead, okay? He was dead. He was sinking in the ocean, the darkness, the seaweed was wrapped around him. He thought it was the end. He had no hope. He was disqualified, and he was dead. I want you to see that the title of this sermon is New Beginnings, and this is where they come from. From someone with Jonah who was disqualified and dead. Some of you walked in here this morning and are spiritually dead. Some of you walked in here this morning and you've got dead things in your life. Dead marriages, dead, dead, dead relationships. And I want you to see that this new beginning that Jonah got, he did not deserve it. He was, should have been totally disqualified, just like you and me. We don't deserve heaven. We don't deserve grace. That's why it's called grace. We've sinned, and so we should be disqualified. And it says, the Bible says, the wages of sin are death, and we're, we're dead in our sins. Yet the Bible says, our faith brings us back to life again. God gives us life. And so what I want you to see in the first just little piece of this in the introduction is that Jonah... A new beginning begins with repentance. It begins with realizing I'm disqualified. I'm dead in my sins. God, I have no other hope except for you. You remember Jonah turned his eyes to the mercy seat. And he realized I have no leg to stand on. You cannot qualify to be a Christian. You can't qualify to be a a spiritual leader. You can only have faith and accept God's mercy. And that's where Jonah was. Uh, He had failed. He was broken. And yet God brought him back to life because of his repentance. The second thing we see is obedience. It follows up right after this. Uh, It says, "The the word of the Lord came to Jonah, the great city of Nineveh, and proclaimed to it the message I give you. Here in this mercy, oh, thank you, brother. One of my favorite, uh, favorite verses here, if you came in this morning, uh, you know, spiritually broken, if you came in, uh, you, you know, feeling like you're just spiritually drowning, like you've, you've messed up too much this week or in life in general, you come from this broken place. We find here with Jonah, he's the most disqualified. He should have been at the end of it. It should have been all over for him. Yet God brings him back to life. And this is a, a verse from Lamentations. It says, the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. You did not go too far the wrong direction this week to be outside of God's grace and mercy. It says, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. One of my favorite verses. So when the Lord came to Jonah a second time, uh, verse 3, it says, Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. He went to Nineveh. Can I ask you, uh, uh, two weeks ago when I 
uh, uh, preach the uh, appointed message. You know, I'd come in that morning with a lot on my mind, and uh, and you know, I shared with some people afterwards. I just felt like, you know, you know, you, it's one of those mornings where you just feel like, man, I didn't do didn't do that passage justice. I didn't do quite good enough. And um, and, and what I realized is that uh, at, at some point there's there's this balance that you know this obedience is not the thing that gets you felt like you didn't do so good Sunday morning. Uh, but I wanted to share with you, I was at home, I wasn't able to be here, uh, but uh, my, I got on the phone with my daughter, and she was watching from Lexington, and she was bawling and crying, and she was recounting the entire sermon and how it had just affected her life in such a way, and, uh, and it just reminded me that, God, you know what, I don't have to do good, I don't have to be the best, I'm not the one that, that is the responsible, I'm not the one responsible for how your word impacts people. Do you understand? You, you're not the one responsible for God's word. It is powerful in and of itself. So even in the morning when I was struggling because I was obedient and I gave God's word, it reached people. And I was so thankful for that. But there's so many times in life that we just go through the motions at work. You ever just go to work like every day? <laughs> And you're going through the motions. Sometimes in a marriage, we get uh, we get drugged down with schedules and 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 where we got to be on this evening and that week, and all of a sudden we're just going through the motions. And families, um, parenting. Now God will bless obedience, but let me tell you, there's nothing greater than obedience from the heart. And what I wanted to pray for us this morning, and what I want to pray is that we see here in Jonah, we see he struggles. He struggles in the next chapter because he was doing just this. He was just going through the motions. There wasn't a lot of substance there. But I want us to, I want us to see uh, the value of a heart that is obedient. Because there's something here that in his obedience, what does he have to do? What, God asked him to do something. It's really simple. The first thing that he has to do, the first step of obedience uh, was to go, right? Just go to Nineveh. It's really simple. Uh, and it, many of you know I just traveled this week. So I kind of got this experience of trying to imagine what it would have been like for Jonah, not knowing where he, or, yeah, Jonah, where he was in this situation, and uh, how he was going to get to Nineveh and, you know, the passage to get there and the commitment that he was going to have to try to get to Nineveh. Just the, the sure, I got to get there. I was thinking about that. And um, so last week I was in England and I, was, I had to go for work. And it's the first time I've ever been out of the country. Um, and I didn't want to go, um, but I really needed to go. And... And as I was going, there were several things that kind of happened. I'm going to share a couple of stories, um, but uh, just some things that God shared with me, and then I want to, I want to kind of bring this all together. Um, one thing that's completely unrelated to the sermon <laughs> is uh, as I was leaving, I hadn't left. I flew out of Cincinnati, went to Washington, D.C., and then to Dublin, and then to Leeds, England. Um, before I left, I was, we got a group message on our Facebook with our family, and I, we were messaging on it, and, uh, and I got a message, I was just saying, I'm going to miss everybody, and uh, Amber, Bethany's sister, just 
texted back, I'll take care of Bethany and the kids. And for some reason, when she said that, like I started bawling and crying like a little baby. I don't know where, I can't remember if I was in the airport or in a plane. And I realized as a dad, as a husband, how much of like that is my motivation for everything I do. Can you understand that? That, like, that was really, like, I realized every day I'm working not for anything other than to be able to provide and take care of those three people that are most important people to me in my life. And I thought if I cared that much, I was like, man, if something happened, I'd get back to Kentucky. Like, I don't know how I'd get there. I'd find a way, you know. And, And so I thought, wow, if there's that much in this broken person's heart to care about three people that much. I thought, God, do you care about me like that? The Bible says he's our father. Do you think he cares that? Do, you, do we live like he cares that much about us? That he loves us that much that he's going to, he is intent on taking care of us? And what we have to realize that, yeah, well, we go through hard times and troubles and trials and Jonah's in this terrible thing, but we find out that the way he cares, the thing he cares most about, the thing that he says is the most precious thing to us is our faith. He takes care in our life to bring trials and troubles and storms, not to make sure we have all the worldly possessions, not so we're always the healthiest and you know, he's not a God that just pours out blessings because we, you know, we don't act right and then we get blessed. God uses these trials because the most important thing in our life is our faith. And I thought, God, you care for me that much. You let the, the trials, the strategies, all, I just got to remember, I got to remind myself every day that you love me that much and the things that are happening in my life because you care about my faith and you and obedience uh, to you. The other thing I thought about as I was traveling is, and I was thinking about Jonah, in order for him to go, this is not groundbreaking, but it was to me. You all are going to be like, oh, yeah, that's, duh. (laughs) But I want you to stick with me for a minute. For Jonah to go where God was asking him to go, he had to leave some things. Going requires leaving. There's no way I could go to England and still be in Kentucky. (laughs) And so for Jonah, the pressure, the stress around this was not just that God was asking Jonah to go to Nineveh and preach to them. It was the very fact that he was going to have to leave some things. Some things physically, some things spiritually. And it's the same thing that God asks us to do. So I want, if you will, just stick here with me for a minute. Because sometimes we try to go somewhere in our faith without leaving the things of this world behind. We try to go where God wants us to go. And all the time, we're trying to take baggage with us. You say, what in the world are you talking about? Well, think about this. Uh, Sometimes we try to find the peace of God, yet we wake up every day worried about something. We carry the worry and anxiety, the very thing that he says, don't worry, don't be anxious, don't care, bring it to me, lay it on me. 
and yet you carry it every day. Yeah, I carry it every day. He's calling us to go into peace and live in peace, and we, we don't because we're worried. He calls us to walk by faith, and yet we hold on to things that only we can see. He wants us to have joy that passes all understanding. But we've built this little wall around bitterness in our heart about a situation, about a circumstance, about a person. And we're holding on to it. And we're refusing to leave it. We're seeking depth of uh, relationships and relationship with him. And I think this is a, a key thing. Uh, but we're unwilling to have vulnerability. We're not willing to open ourselves up, to take a risk, to trust him. We might fail. He might not be really deliver on what he says he's going to do. And so I want you to think about this, just a few things that Jonah had to leave. And then I want to talk about us and what God is asking us to leave in a new beginning when we repent, when we when he calls us to be obedient, what we're stepping out on. And this is different than the way I usually preach, but this is where God took me this morning. Uh, but some things that Jonah was leaving was his worldview, the way he saw the world, the way he thought about people. He thought about the Ninevites. We spent a long time with this in chapter one that, you know, they deserve, they, they need to get what they deserve. And he saw those people as evil. They brought this on themselves. God, I would rather you judge them than have mercy on them. And God is saying, I'd rather have mercy on people than judge them. I would rather give mercy than judgment. And so uh, Jonah was struggling with this. And you find out that they had a conversation in chapter 4. You find out about a conversation in chapter 1, which we really didn't talk about, where Jonah kind of went back and forth with God and said, hey, you know, I really kind of think they deserve to get judged. I'm really not going to be the one that goes over there and, and tries to, you know, tries to save those people. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm going to go find me a ship, and I'm going to Tarshish. And that's what he did. He ran the complete opposite uh, uh, direction. So he had to leave his worldview. He had to leave his life plan. He had a plan for his life. He thought he knew what he wanted to do and how God... Uh, should you know support that? And do we do that? Y'all go to one. The reason we don't go sometimes because we're 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 tied to the things that we'd have to leave. I didn't want to go because my family. I didn't want to leave it. We want to be gone six days. We'd never been apart that long, especially that far, four thousand miles or whatever it is. Um, but sometimes to go, you have to leave some things. So what do we leave? Uh, what are the things that are difficult for us? And I just kind of jotted um, some things down here, and I've already shared a couple of them. Um, the first one I thought about was conformity. God asks us to be a peculiar people, a different people, to live a different lifestyle, uh, to, to obey, to be in his righteousness. And sometimes with our friends and coworkers, uh, that is difficult, right? It's difficult. We, it's so much easier just to go along and be a part of the crowd and, 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 and do what everybody else does and fit in. And God says, nope, I'm calling you 
uh, out of that, you're called to be peculiar. Uh, control. He's really calling us to give up control of our lives and things around us to him, but we like to hold on. We like to plan it out. We like to have three-month goals and one-year goals, and we like to have it. Here's where we go. And he's saying, you can't go with me if you're going to hold on to control. If you're going to say you think you know best, then you can't follow me the way I'm asking you to. You cannot hold on to control. The other thing that I wrote down, and this was maybe for me and somebody else in here. I don't know who. I didn't really, wasn't thinking of anybody, I promise. But immaturity. That we, we don't want to grow in a maturity, not necessarily as, as people, um, but as followers, as Christians. We want to just be a Christian and say, that's enough. I know a little bit about the Bible, and I'll go through my But he's calling us. If we're going to go deeper, we can't stay. We can't stay shallow in our depth and understanding of God's word and his faithfulness. But sometimes that's scary to leave. I said bitterness. Uh, fear. You can't step out in faith when you're holding on to fear. He's asking Jonah to step out. The big one that this really all connects to is uh, is selfishness. Is selfishness. Oh, and immaturity, you know, we should not just grow in, uh, in, in our Christian faith, uh, but we should grow in wisdom as we grow in age. Sometimes you get one without the other. You ever met people like that? But that's the way it should work, and God's calling us out of that. So what are some things? You don't have to tell me. I'm asking you to think in your own heart, uh, and maybe, I'm not, maybe it's something I've not even mentioned this morning. Uh, God may not be requiring you or asking you to go to a physical place but he's asking you spiritually to step out and trust in him and follow him and there's things that, that requires leaving that you're holding on to and you're saying I just can't let go of that there's, you know, I like my lifestyle I like what I do I like being with the, the, the guys or the girls and I like this and I just can't to go where God wants me to go requires me to leave that and I'm not leaving that I'm just asking you to think in your heart because here's what's in what's in incredible is that although Jonah had messed this thing up, um, I mean he had totally messed it up, right? Even though he had messed it up, God still had purpose <laughs> for Jonah. Can can you just? Be with me in that for a moment and realize no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God still has purpose for you. No matter how disqualified you felt, no, no, no matter how, how much you've messed up, how much you've failed, God's mercy is new every morning. And he's standing there with Jonah with arms open wide. He's still loving him. And let me tell you, Jonah continues to mess up. And we're going to have a sermon, either the next one or the next one, uh, going to be titled, Now Jonah. Because that's how God began. I mean, the first time Jonah messes up, God throws a storm at him, right? This next time he messes up, 
He basically says, no, Jonah, is that the way you, should you really be angry right now? And God uses these different ways to approach and care and nurture and teach and prod us to grow us in our faith. But even though he messed up so much, he still had purpose. Can I tell you right now, no matter how much you've messed up, you still have purpose. When you, you want a new beginning, it starts with faith and turning your heart back to God, putting your faith and trust in him, and then be willing to leave some things, to step out in obedience to him. Here's where we're really coming from, where God's calling Jonah from and where he's calling us from. Uh, the first town's called Safety and Security. It's a great place. We love it. Y'all like that place in life, safety and security, comfort zone. Y'all like your comfort zone? If you don't, then it's not your comfort zone. Think of the other thing that you do like. <laughs> a comfort zone you like. Okay, this is the town we live in. This is, this, is, this is where we are. This is where we want to stay. This is because in that place, uh, there's no risk. We feel like things are pretty certain that tomorrow everything's going to be okay. I'm not going to get my feelings hurt. I'm not going to fail. I'm gonna, uh, nothing's going to come back on me that looks bad. Uh, I, in this place, the safety and security, this is a town where we all live. But the town God wants us in is the town of risk and vulnerability. God, God never says, oh, that's enough. Stay right there. <laughs> that's good. Oh, you feel safe? That's where I want you safe. Every, per, every time he calls somebody to do something big, it's outside their comfort zone. And when you get outside of the comfort zone, here's the thing. In this town, you can be mayor, you can be president, you can be God, okay? You've got everything under control here. You don't have to worry about anybody else. Because in this town, you're leading the show, and when you're leading the show, you're in control. When you step out of that town, it's a step of faith. It's a step of faith to trust God that he cares like I care for my family, but way more big a thousand times more that he wants good for us. If you think about Moses, totally messed it up in the first 40 years. He went to the, uh, you know, he wandered out in the desert for 40 years, and then God came to him again and said, I need you to go to Egypt and free my people. I need you to go. Moses said, well, I can't really talk that good. I'm not the right guy. And I'm sure that got a, an eye roll from God and was like, all right, take your brother with you. He can talk. He, yeah, I mean, really, Moses, I'm God, <laughs> right? I mean, I, if I'm asking you to go, you can do this. Yet it required Moses to leave a comfort zone, a place where he felt safe, a place where he had all the things he thought he needed to feel fulfilled and good, but God needed him out of it. I think about Peter uh, the, the very same Peter that totally wrecked his faith. I mean, God said, Peter, you're going to deny me three times tonight. And Peter's like, no, God, no, Jesus, I would never do that. I'm Peter. By the next morning, the cock crowed, and he started like all these memories flashed through the night. And three times he had denied Christ. He'd done the exact thing, failed. I mean, Jesus, in the most epic of ways, and yet... 
One of the last stories we know of Jesus after his resurrection, he was sitting by the lake with Peter, same Peter, saying, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. He asked him three times, Peter, do you love me? Feed my sheep. This same Peter becomes the first half of the book of Acts where he is the one with confidence standing before the, at the day of Pentecost. He's preaching God's word. He's standing beside, he couldn't even tell uh, the, a little girl that walked by on that night that he was with Jesus that day before his uh, crucifixion. But all of a sudden now he's standing before the Sanhedrin, the Supreme Court of the time, and saying, I follow Jesus, this same Jesus that you crucified is your hope. Peter was disqualified. He had messed up and still God used him in a mighty way. Early in Peter's, Jesus' ministry, when we first met Peter, if you remember, uh, Peter got in his boat. You want, Peter, you want Jesus to get in your boat? That's what happened to Peter. Imagine being out fishing. Jesus steps in and he's preaching to the people on the, the sides of the water. And they're in shallow waters, it says. And Jesus says something real simple to him. He says, push out a little deeper. Push out a little deeper where you can't. Right now, Peter, that's in faith. You can reach the bottom. You're standing on your own two feet. You could get out and push the boat. You could get out and walk to shore. That's not faith. That's safety and security. But I believe God was calling Jonah from there into risk and vulnerability. He was going out. He had to leave what he knew. He had to leave his, what, what, he had, uh, what, what he believed politically. He had to leave all that behind and go to try to preach to these Ninevites. We find once he got there, uh, when Jesus' warning reached the king of Nineveh, or first in verse 5, the Ninevites believed God. Uh, and a fast was proclaimed. I want you to try to imagine this for a minute. This is kind of viral repentance happens in Nineveh. This thing spread. Uh, it's, it was trending on Twitter, I can guarantee you that, or Instagram or whatever you watch. I want you to try to imagine this town. We find Jesus, or God says at the end of chapter 4, there's about 120,000 people there. This said, when Jonah came and he was obedient to what God had done, and I know he went thinking, and you can tell by the way he's, he recorded. How did we get this book, by the way, Jonah? He had to tell somebody this. I mean, nobody was there in the belly of the fish to, you know, scribing down Jonah's prayer. All right? I mean, we've got that prayer. This had to come from Jonah. Um, but so this, when he talked about what he preached, that's what he said. Uh, this is from his words. Uh, Jonah began going to say, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. He preached judgment. You ever meet people that would rather preach judgment than mercy? You'll find when we get to chapter 4 that Jonah was really like, he, I think he was like, he thought he was making an announcement of what really was going to happen. That they were going to get judged. And our hearts should not be like that toward people. 
And the message of judgment should be the true message of mercy. And that's what God wanted John to preach. So we find out he, he literally gets fuming mad, you'll find in chapter 4, when the Ninevites actually listen and repent. I mean, he gets angry. I mean, angry at God, angry at the entire situation. We're going to talk about it next week. Uh, but it says, when, it, when all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. Wouldn't you like to see a revival like that? Where just people all throughout the community. Uh, sometimes people are more willing to receive the word of God than we realize. But here, I mean, it just spread across that town, and uh, I bet Jonah was like, what is happening? I cannot believe this is happening. I cannot believe I'm the one doing this. I thought I was going to get to announce all this. No way these evil people are going to turn from their evil ways. So as he was going through the motions, he was being obedient. God blessed it. These people repented. And we find at the end of the chapter that he did hold back what he said he was going to do. I'm not going to get into the details of, it doesn't really say that they, they got into a covenant relationship with God, these Ninevites. It basically just says they were doing bad things, and when Jonah gave them warning of the consequences, they quit doing it. And God saw that that was enough, and this one time didn't do what he had said he was going to do. But you'll find the Syrian people, how many of y'all heard of Nineveh today? Y'all been to Nineveh? <laughs> See it on the news. I want to close with just the thought that um, as Jonah in this situation found a new beginning. Uh, so can each of us. It's why we started this church. It's why we're here. We believe that, that no past is too far or too much, that God cannot breathe life into it. And, and getting saved is just like what happened to Jonas. It, when you're when waking up and realizing you're trying to be in complete uh, control, that you've angered on your own opinion, and you realize... Why here and why good things happen to bad people and bad things happen to good people. And we realize all that is shifting sand if it's not anchored on some everlasting when you're living there in that place of trying to make heads for tails of what's right and what's wrong and what's true. Ephesians 2, 1 says, And you were dead and your trespasses... And sins, Ephesians 2, 5 says, even when we were dead in our transgressions, we were made us alive together with Christ. By grace, you have been saved. Some of y'all brought some dead things in here this morning. We can't see it. Some of you have just came out of the great fish's mouth. You're laying on the beach. And you're wondering where God wants you to go and what he wants you to do. You feel like you've been disqualified because past decisions or mistakes you've made, nasty divorces, financial failure. It doesn't matter. We've all got that baggage that thinks, God, you can never use me now. I've let you down so many ways. And God is saying, I, bring, I breathe life into dead things.
that's what I do. It's not about you. You'll never be qualified except through your faith in me. The second thing to think about as we close is some of us are trying to be two places at once. We've tried to go without leaving. And uh, God is asking us to step out, step out of a comfort zone um, and put our faith in him. I was, uh, I, I did, when I stopped in Dublin, that's where I had to go through immigration control at the airport before I could get on my next flight to go over to England. And uh, I've never been through anything like that. And I didn't really know what to expect. And uh, so I went up, uh, and this is their way of trying to qualify me of sorts, I guess. Um, and, and so I walked up to the, the gate, and I had to get my passport out. And, um, and, I mean, this guy was no smiles. It was not friendly, although everybody there was Irish. And it was really hard, all the accents. Um, it was... I, like, I wanted to laugh every time they talk just because I've heard accents, but it's always like people joking, but that, like, that's the way they, I always thought, oh, he's joking. No, that's really the way they talk. That's so cool. Like, I loved it. Um, and they were talking to one another. Uh, but I got up in jail. I'm going to stuck in Ireland. I'm not allowed to go there. I got to have some visa. I got to have something. I don't know. There's something that's not going well. And so I, at the, I, he can tell I'm nervous. Like, from the beginning, I'm like, uh, I'm going to Leeds, England. Why are you going to Leeds, England? Uh, well, I, I, I work uh, for work. Well, what kind of work do you do? Uh, well, I, 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 I work, you know, it's just work and I work for a, uh, I mean, I would have put me in jail. <laughs> like I couldn't even say what I did. I was like, well, I work for a, a nonprofit and, uh, it's like, well, why are you going to Leeds? And I was trying to get it out and I was trying to explain and make my case. Uh, and, and finally he was just like, oh God, all right, go ahead. <laughs> He's like, I have no idea what you do or why you're going to Leeds, but I can tell I don't think you're trying to attack the place by any stretch. Uh, but uh, that travel, that journey, as I thought about Jonah and what he was doing. And one thing, you know, being in different places, it just reminds you that people are people. No matter where you go, they're dealing with the same problems, the same perspective of God's been loving people. He's been bringing people into his fold for years and years and centuries and generations all across this globe. And to be for and second, are you trying to go somewhere without leaving something behind? Are you holding on to bitterness? Are you holding on uh, to negativity? Are you holding on to fear? Are you holding on to conformity and wanting to just be the simple things? Are you holding on to safety and security? Or are we willing to lay it all down and follow Jesus? Are we willing to go?